Closer to full strength, Virginia Tech handles Boston College and appears to be on the rise. Meanwhile, UVA's unbroken growth, it appears to be, well, broken after a road loss at Wake Forest. And we're joined by basketball coach Mike Young to talk about the start of practice at Virginia Tech. All that and more this week on Teal and Barber. Welcome in to episode 25 of Peel and Barber. I guess it's the silver anniversary episode of the <laughs> Richmond Times-Dispatch and Richmond.com's Virginia Tech, UVA, and ACC sports podcast. I'm Mike Barber, ACC beat writer for the paper, and joining me as always, my co-host, the 13-time sports writer of the year and the Virginia Sports Hall of Famer, Mr. David Teal. David, we have an exciting guest joining us today. That's going to be fun for the 25th episode. Absolutely. We, uh, for, for the uh, landmark or benchmark show, we, uh, we went big with the, with the guest. He, Mike Young is uh, about as media-friendly as, as they can be, and I think our listeners are really going to enjoy hearing from him today. Mike. Yeah, I know we both enjoy spending time with Mike, so that definitely is uh, probably true of the listeners as well. Now, we're going to stick with football to start. We both traveled to games this past weekend. I was down in Wake Forest where the barbecue I thought was much better than the football. Uh, (laughs) You went to Blacksburg where the football, I understand, was much better than, unfortunately, your hotel accommodations. Yeah, it didn't go so well when I checked in or attempted to check in at a little after 2 a.m. And uh, they gave me the key and I went upstairs and it looked like somebody thrown a pretty hefty party in the room. Food everywhere and linens all over the place (laughs) and went back downstairs and uh, communicated this to the front desk. Unfortunately, they didn't have any more room. So, uh, fortunately, my former Daily Press colleague, Norm Wood, was checking into the crib at the same time, and he graciously allowed me to shut my eyes on his couch for about a half an hour before I got back in the car, drove back to the 757. Norm Wood to the rescue, and that reminds me we need to book Norm as a future guest on this show. You know, we may have to add a segment on travel adventures, because I think that's part to, part of the gig that our, our listeners don't always get to hear about. But we have some good, some bad, and some ugly when we're on the road, don't we? No question. I, we've both been doing this long enough where, yeah, we got some stories now. Now, you were there to see the Hokies, who are up to yeah. number 19 in the latest AP Top 25 poll. Uh, they took care of Boston College, 40-14. to 14. Now, this looked from a distance like the Hokies kind of turning the corner, putting the disrupted, disjointed start to the season behind them and getting a little bit closer maybe to reaching their potential. I asked Virginia Tech coach Justin Fuente about that. I don't know. I'm hesitant to say anything. It's like, you know, you see guys make comments and the next thing you know, uh, it, it bites them in the tail, you know. So I don't know. I know we're doing everything in our power to um, adhere by the guidelines and, and do our best to control uh, what we can in this situation. It was nice to have, I mean, we were still down some guys, but it was nice to have our staff there. And, you know, that's probably the most normal week we've had um, thus far. Hearing Justin Fuente call something a normal week is soothing to my soul. <laughs> but, they, but David, both you and Coach Fuente felt like there was still plenty of room for improvement for this team. What did you see Saturday that you liked and what's still 
need some work. Well, what you like, Mike, is the Hokies' continued ability to pound the football via the run game. I mean, 350 yards on a physical Boston College defense, both Khalil Herbert and Hendon Hooker over a buck 40. You know, 350 yards is the most of the programs had since 2009 against Marshall. Uh, those are those are big numbers now, and the Hokies right now are the best running offense in the country, and they are running the ball more frequently than any Power Five team in the country. Upwards of 67 percent of Tech's plays thus far have have been on the ground, and it's not just five yards at a clip. Thanks to Khalil Herbert and Hendon Hooker, they are getting them in big chunks. So that's certainly the good. Yeah, it's been really impressive and eye-opening because I think we all, and we've talked about this, we all thought Herbert and Blackshear would make the running game better. But to me, David, it's it's that offensive line that just seems to be taking over games. You know, we talked to Lucita Smith earlier today, and he talked about the fact that guys are, are looking up at the scoreboard to see, are they at 300 rushing yards and mm-hmm. wanting to get there? I mean, this is an offensive line with very high expectations, and rightfully so. Yeah, they, Mike, I, I totaled it up the other night. They had eight or nine returning linemen with more than 100 career starts at Virginia Tech. Plus, they added Brock Hoffman, the transfer from Coastal Carolina, who sat out last season. That is a bunch of experience and talent all coming together at the same time. And Virginia Tech is is reaping the benefits. Now, you asked at the start and you mentioned Justin Fuente saying he thought there was plenty yet to work on. I think primarily he's talking about the defensive side. There were still some issues, especially – in, in pass coverage, which you would have expected against Boston College. Phil Dracovic is leading the ACC in passing yards or was coming into the game. He may have relinquished that after Trevor Lawrence's big day against Georgia Tech, but he's got big-time deep receiver in Zay Flowers, terrific tight end in Hunter Long. So the Hokies had, had their issues with that. But after BC kind of botched its first two possessions where it was moving the ball but then fumbled it away, Virginia Tech really locked in defensively in the second half. Yeah, and Trevor Lawrence did overtake Phil Jakovic, but your point stands that this is a Boston College offense that is going to do that to some people, right? It's going to put up some passing yards. It's going to move the ball. Encouraging, I think, that, and nobody loves the idea of bend but don't break. Like fans hate it. Media hates it. But there's something to be said for not giving up points, isn't there, David? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to be said <laughs> for it. If, if, if you're a coach, certainly, uh, yeah, 14 points. They they gave up to to BC and oh by the way you know close the game on a twenty three nothing binge I mean that's that's what you want to do if you're well any team wants to do this but it's a sign of a really good team you got someone down step on the gas do not back off and that is exactly what Virginia Tech did the other night and and not that the Hokies are, are asking for a pass here they're three and one they're nineteen in the country they don't need it but this defense, particularly the secondary, it's been through a lot. So if it takes them a couple more weeks to get fully in gear, I think guys like you and I kind of understand that. 
Well, so, so, so they've been through so much, Mike, that just last week they flipped Divine Diablo's safety responsibilities and moved Devin Taylor, the transfer from, El- from Illinois State, from corner to safety. So they, they were juggling things as recently as, as last week in practice. Yeah, and the week before, you remember uh, Alan Tisdale, the linebacker, was sliding back yeah. and playing safety, and he explained it to us as basically, hey, I took man-to-man on the tight end. <laughs> that was, you yeah. know, that's the way you, you kind of draw it up in the in the yard when you're playing with your friends. You got that guy. So, uh, yeah, to be where they are, I think, is remarkable. Let's look at where they're going, and uh, they're going back to, to Wake Forest, where I was last weekend. Uh, I'll be there again for this game. It certainly feels like, assuming we don't get a COVID curveball here, this should be a very winnable game for the Hokies, no? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you, you saw Wake Forest up close the other day against UVA, as Justin Fuente alluded to yesterday. Dave Clawson and his group can coach him up, especially on the offensive side. You, you don't take Wake Forest, a small private school with limited resources, bowling five consecutive seasons unless you really know what you're doing. And that that staff clearly does. They go up-tempo on offense. Sam Hartman can chuck it around. Wake hasn't thrown a pick last or this season. And, and do I recall this, Mike? Did Wake not have a penalty against UVA? That's great. It was a remarkably clean game. And, you know, the other thing that was amazing about Wake's effort against UVA – they hit six plays, David, for 30 yards or longer. Yeah. Now, there was a 75-yard run that looked like you know UVA let something spill out on the side and um, turn into that big play. But I asked Rhett Lashley, the offensive coordinator at Miami, about what he saw. Uh, they're getting ready to play UVA. And, and he said, Wake Forest made those big plays. Like, they were contested throws. Uh, they were contested catches. So there's some ability there. Like, yes, there's a great scheme and, and Wake's tempo, it's noticeable when you're covering the game. I mean, they really go fast uh, when they want to on offense. But, you know, his point and, and what I saw was it wasn't like Virginia was letting guys loose. It wasn't like Virginia was busting coverages. This was Wake making plays. And um, that is something against this tech secondary that, that's worth watching this weekend. No doubt. But on the other side, I think Virginia Tech certainly should be able to do some business on the offensive side and score more than its fair share of points. I mean, if we saw Virginia move the ball with its second, third, and fourth team quarterbacks against Wake, Khalil Herbert, Hendon Hooker, yeah, those guys should be uh, champing at the bit to, to get to Wake Forest. Now, that brings us very neatly to this week's edition of Take It or Leave It. Thank you, Mike. It is Take It or Leave It with uh, Hendon Hooker at quarterback and Khalil Herbert running wild and the defense getting closer to hole each week. Virginia Tech is a contender to reach the ACC title game. Let's start with David. Take it or leave it. I will take it and say the Hokies are contenders, but it's going to be difficult because you have to presume as you look at the big picture here that Virginia Tech is going to lose December 5 at home to Clemson. So there's two conference losses. Is everyone else going to lose, everyone else below Clemson going to lose at least twice? That's the big question. And then the Hokies would hope to earn a tiebreaker. But among the contenders, sure. Okay. Mike. 
I'm going to leave it. I agree with everything David just said, and it's just that Carolina loss. And I think it's just a math thing. It's going to keep them um, a step behind. Are they as good as those other teams? Absolutely. Um, Are they going to be playing better ball as the year goes on? Absolutely. Do we have any idea how the back half of the season is going to unfold? No idea. But I think the North Carolina loss, when it's all said and done, is going to be the one that you wish that game was later in the year when they were full strength, because I think that's going to keep them out of that second, third spot in the standings, even though talent-wise, I I do. I I think they're right there. Now, David, Virginia, they played in last year's ACC title game. After Saturday's 40-23 to loss at Wake Forest, that's the Who's third straight defeat, it certainly doesn't look like they're going to be headed to Charlotte for a return trip this December. UVA's improved its record every year under Coach Bronco Mendenhall, but at 1-3, the unbroken growth that he likes to tout seems to be, well, broken, maybe breaking, but broken. I asked him, uh, and he agreed. No, it, it feels like a hiccup, certainly. You know, it feels like there's there's been a break, uh, and holy cow, you could you could easily say or attribute to the reasons. I'm not willing to say that. I, I understand the contributing factors. Um, but to this point, we haven't started fast. Um, our record certainly reflects that. Um, I like our culture. I like the um, the direction. I like I love my team. Um, but our execution certainly isn't performing or isn't uh, being demonstrated at a level that reflects right the next stage after four years right and again there's contributing factors but that it it seems like a step back or a hiccup at this point um the rest of the story will be written the rest of this year sometimes that happens when you when you put a new quarterback in and you kind of start we're still searching for our identity uh with brennan um and just unfortunate injury uh, and that doesn't mean right that um that uh, that was the reason we we uh, lost the last two games. There's certainly other con- other factors, but it has been slowed a little bit. And so uh, the outcome of the year, that's how it will be measured. But yeah, it feels like a step back or a hiccup at this point, um, just as a collective execution and program, uh, which we're trying to address as fast as possible. David, Virginia didn't have Brennan Armstrong. It's starting quarterback Saturday against Wake. But it lost the game because its defense allowed big plays. So what's wrong with this who's defense? Well, I mean, you you allude to it right there, giving up big plays. And you you saw it at Clemson. You saw it last week. uh, You saw it against North Carolina State. And that that will kill you every time. And, oh, by the way, the offense has put the defense in a bind, as well as the special teams have, too, with – crippling turnovers, you know, in, in, in plus territory for the opponent. And that'll undo a defense quicker than anything. Yeah, it's it's been surprising in many ways because this defense is what we thought was going to be the strength of the team. They made a a strategic adjustment in this game. They moved Charles Snowden, who's been playing to the boundary side. They moved him more to the field side. Charles said this week it allowed him to play a little more freely, make some plays in space, but there just doesn't seem to be any punch, any of that dynamic, the havoc that they call it. And I think they're going to need it, and I think they're going to need it particularly this week when they go visit Miami, number 11 in the country. That's the game you're going to be at. Uh, David, they need to get this defense right quickly. Next two weeks, right, Mike? Yeah. Got got Miami this week and then come home to play Sam Howell and and, and Carolina. Two very different offenses, but two very capable ones. Yeah, they – if if they don't get it right, they're they're staring one and five in a in a five game skid. Yeah, which uh, when we we open by talking about unbroken growth, that that doesn't qualify there. Now, tell me a little bit about 
uh, Miami because Derek King, um, their new quarterback, the transfer, he's brought uh, certainly some some more punch to the offense. Um, we talked to the Miami coaches this week. They're 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 basically feeling like their offense is still finding itself, but they're winning games because of big plays, and that's <laughs> the last thing you want to hear if you're Virginia who's struggling giving up big plays. So, what is it about this Miami offense that's making the Hurricanes so explosive? Well, I think it's a combination not only of of, of De'Ara King with Cameron Harris at running back, and I know he missed this this past game, but Brevin Jordan mm-hmm. at the tight end spot, and then you add the offensive coordinator you mentioned earlier in, in Rhett Lashley, who comes over from SMU, where they averaged upward of 40 points a game last season. He, he wants, much like Wake Forest, to, to go with his hair on fire and run play after play as, as quickly as possible. And, you know, King is a, is a very different quarterback than what UVA saw last week in, in Sam Hartman. He is much, much more of a dynamic athlete. That said, he threw four touchdown passes last week against <laughs> Pittsburgh, which you probably would not expect. I thought that was – I thought the Hurricanes – Beaten Pitt last week, Mike, was really important for that program after they just gotten cuffed around the week previously at Clemson. Because in each of the last four seasons, Miami has endured a losing streak of at least three games. Hmm. And I thought if, if, they lost to Pitt last week, that it could have been the start of yet another swoon that just ruined the season. So I thought that was a really important bounce back game, granted against a Pitt team that was without starting quarterback, Kenny Pickett, but still, to, to me, an, an impressive win nonetheless. Yeah, it goes back to our, our take it or leave it of do we see Miami as a contender? And, um, you know, I think for all those reasons that you're talking about, that they're still right there in the race, that that top bunch there. It's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. I thought Manny Diaz pointed out a great fact uh, when I talked to him this week about the matchup with Virginia. And I was talking about the problems that Virginia's having with defense. And, and he pointed out that in the past two meetings, I didn't realize this till Manny said it, neither team has scored over 20 points in the last yeah. two meetings. You know, it was 16-13 uh, two years ago. Virginia won that game. And then 17-9 last year, Virginia fans remember that as, I believe, right, the game that, that Bryce Hall was in. Yes. So this has been a defensive battle. Uh, Virginia would not mind at all, I believe, if it was the same way uh, Saturday, because I think uh, they have a much better chance of that at this point than a shootout, because we still don't know the status of Brennan Armstrong, uh, who's in concussion protocol. Exactly. And where they where they really need to get right is in the secondary, much like Virginia Tech. And you, know, you were at Wake Forest last week. They got banged up badly. Mm. Uh, on the back end, we don't know the the status of those guys for for this week. Yeah, they played without, and this sounds ridiculous, but they played without Joey Blunt, Brenton Nelson, and Devonte Cross. That's three fourths of of your starting yeah. defensive backfield uh, by the end of the game. So, yeah, they need those guys in a big way uh, against Miami. Blunt has just battled injuries and issues uh, all so far this season. He has the potential to be such an impact player. They really mm-hmm. need him healthy. And you've talked about Brenton Nelson. I mean, this guy was. 
defensive rookie of the year as a freshman. If they can get him right, uh, he could be a major impact player. Yeah, it's it's a shame for for Nelson. I mean, he's been plagued by injuries ever since that breakout freshman year. I, I feel badly for for athletes when that happens. You know, so much promise at the start, and then you know, once that injury train starts, it's just hard to get off of. Let's step away from the football field now for a few minutes because we're very lucky and excited to have this week's guest joining the show, Mike Young, going into his second season, leading Virginia Tech basketball. Mike's kind enough to make some time for us today. Coach, thanks for being here. Mike, thanks for having me. Pre- uh, appreciate you guys. Now, you started practice, and we want to talk about the program and the season, but I have to ask first, what's it been like the past seven months for you? I mean, going back to, to being canceled there at the at the ACC tournament, that event being cut short, and then everything since then, what's this all been like to kind of live and coach through? I may give you an answer that you don't expect. Uh, it's been... Um what you do expect is that it's been hard and bizarre and challenging and confusing. Um, we're at the ACC tournament. Uh, we're on spring break. Our team leaves Greensboro and, um, you know, we, we go in different direction, uh, di- different directions. And I don't see those kids again until our returning team until uh, July 6th, which I felt very fortunate to have the opportunity to get those guys back in early July. And the medical staff here, um, our athletic administration had done a great job in putting protocols into place. And, um, you know, we have, for all intents and purposes, been uh, pretty, pretty normal. Uh, if you will, uh, if you can consider anything normal during a uh, pandemic, uh, since uh, since that time, we've had uh, you know we've had some bumps in the road, but uh, but nothing uh, nothing out of the ordinary. Um, now the other side of that, uh, this has been this has been awful for us as a country for for everyone. Uh, but um, Dave, Mike, I've had dinner at home every night since like March. 15th or whatever it's been. Um, my daughter came home from college uh, because of uh, everything. She's a senior now at uh, Sewanee, the University of the South. And she made the comment after about a month, five weeks, she said, uh, my lifetime, we've never had dinner together this many times uh, <laughs> ever, ever. Uh, I was talking to a coaching colleague. I won't tell you who. Um he may not want me to. He says, "You know what we need to do? Uh, this is this is awful, and we need to care for our kids, and um, you know all the things that uh, that that uh, the scientists have prescribed: wash our hands and social distance and wear a mask and all that. We also need to do some things that we will never ever be able to do ever again. Uh, and I've I've done some of that. I've gone home at two o'clock in the afternoon and watched a matinee with my children and uh, my dad's significant other who." Um, was living with us for uh, for a time uh, after he passed in mid uh, mid March. Uh, so, um, as uh, difficult as this has been for us as a society and uh, as a uh, as a group of people and as a basketball program as a university, uh, there have been parts of it that have been uh, a lot of fun for me as well. Mike, do you have any? feel for what the 2020-21 season is is going to look like. What can you tell us about your truncated non-conference schedule? And I know the ACC is planning on a full 20-game league slate as well as the ACC Big Ten Challenge. 
Um, I, I think anybody that tells you they have an idea what it's going to look like, Davis, uh, they're kidding themselves. Uh, I've had a couple of people, uh, one scientist, one person within the ACC that said, uh, if you think you're going to get 27 games in, you're out of your mind. There's not, it's not going to happen. Um, I think there's a reason, Dave, that the NCAA has set a 13-game threshold for teams eligible for this year's NCAA tournament. Um, We continue to um, wrestle and uh, be confused by the varying interpretations from state to state with regards to contact tracing. I just read an article. uh, We have... uh, coaches um, uh, thread via text in uh, in our league I haven't read the entire article there's a I think there's a football uh, young man in our league that has been on the shelf has not participated for 28 days and has never one time tested positive okay. because of contact tracing I'll I'd be more than happy to share that with uh, the two of you if uh, if I can. Again, I haven't read the entire article. Um, you know, as you both know, uh, the ACC uh, is comprised of uh, s- schools from 10 different states. Um, I think officiating is going to be more challenging. Not uh, We've got great officials, but uh, what, what, what are those guys going to be allowed to do? What does their testing look like? Uh, we all know that they're not going to be traveling all over creation uh, to uh, to officiate games. Um, are they calling multiple leagues as they uh, as they always have? Um, you know, uh, here we are, uh, what five weeks away from what we hope is the start of our season. We're going to play, and um, I I hold out hope that it's going to be a fulfilling and rewarding year for uh, for all of us. But uh, boy, is it going to be different, fellas, and we all know it. Mike, I talked to a, an assistant coach in the ACC, and, and he said to me the other day that it really helps that the league's football teams are already going through this, that his program is kind of learning and gleaning a lot from the football experience. Have you found the same? Are you able to kind of peek in or, or learn from, even from a distance, kind of um, the ins and outs of what football's going through? I'm not peeking in, as I don't think – I, I, the, the fewer faces in that building right now, the better. Uh, but I, I can't imagine Coach Fuente, uh, our medical staff, um, you know, everyone here uh, doing everything possible uh, to, to make it all happen. We are four games in. I think we're three and one right now. We go to Wake Forest this Saturday. Um, I know that men's basketball is learning a great deal uh, from uh, from football's experiences. I know that we are as a basketball program and our medical people learning a great deal from their experiences and what uh, what they've gone through. What they've gone through now is, as you, it's been well documented, has been challenging. Challenging. It's been tough, um, but uh, I do think that it aids us greatly. Um, I, you know, I may be right, I may be wrong. Uh, we are. This is a little bit different. We're dealing with thirteen uh, to fourteen, fifteen eligible guys. You have uh, seven, eight of those guys through contact tracing, what have you, are on the shelf, and and that that throws you that throws you off. I have friends right now. Uh, it's not. Um, it has not been, uh, uh, you know, 
published, um, but are not practicing and will not practice for the next two weeks. Who knows what uh, what lies ahead? I know right now we're we're participating and we are day number six today, and um, you know we're 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 going a little bit faster than we've gone before while we've got everyone healthy. Uh, but um, you know um, I do look at it uh, as a, as a marathon, uh, as I always have. I hope that uh, holds true uh, again this year. Mike, you have a fascinating mix of returning talent and incoming folks that maybe we don't know a a whole lot about. Correct me if I'm wrong, but one of my primary takeaways from the newcomers you added on on the transfer front is size with Cordell and Justin and Keve becoming eligible this season. Uh, was that a, uh, a a planned addition in terms yeah. of you knew you needed and wanted to get bigger? Yep, yep. Um, yes, Dave, uh, 100%. Um, I couldn't do it again. I just, um, you know, so young. Um, you know, we, we all knew. Mike Barber, we all knew. Uh, we 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 needed to uh, get bigger. We were you know, we were woefully inadequate there. We didn't get fouled enough. Um, we were too perimeter oriented. We didn't rebound well enough. Um, you know, just um, so many things that we're trying to mask. Uh, a year ago, I do think that uh, that we have. Um, done a nice job in addressing uh, those needs. Now, we're still going to be on the smaller side um, compared to others in our league, but we're, we're better equipped to, um, to compete night in, night out night in, night out physically. Um, so I, I'm, I'm encouraged uh, by um, uh, the athleticism, uh, athleticism um, basketball skill and savvy of uh, Justin Mutz, who's, uh, who's going to be a good player for us. Um, Aluma is going to be a, uh, a good player for us. Um, you know, Cordell Pimsel uh, suffered through some injuries. He got stuck behind a kid, Luca Garza, who may be this year's player of the year. That can right. happen. That can happen, fellas. He averaged eight and six as a freshman, um, or somewhere in that in that area uh, at uh, at Iowa. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Fran McCaffrey. I know he's been very well coached. He's a really good passer, uh, and he knows what it's all about. Now, we're not going to make a steady diet of that. I don't think that that is any way to build uh, a lasting uh, program. Um, uh, but. Um, you know, uh, I, I did along with Joe Bamisil from Richmond, uh, Darius Maddox from uh, from DC. Uh, I thought it was an opportunity to sprinkle in a little more um, size and a little more, uh, you know, some guys that uh, that had been through it and uh, and had seen it, uh, you know, work. Cartier Jada won a lot of games at Kansas State, as did Cordell Pimsel. Kevi Aluma came with me, and um, you know was uh, was a part of you know a lot of uh, wins as uh, as well. And you know their contributions to this point are, are have been you know exactly what I had had uh, hoped uh, we would get from them. Mike, you, you talked to me in, in April, and we talked a little bit about Cartier and. Just the vision, because you know you do have a point guard returning in your program, and um, do you plan on playing those guys together? What's what's the vision there? I'm going to play. I'm going to play them together. Uh, some Mike, um, you know, remains to be seen how much. Uh, well, Bisa Beatty will always be a big part of 
what we do here. He's done it. Um, he's done it at a really high level. I thought he had a good year for us last year. Uh, we suffered through some, you know, some uh, deficiencies offensively, but I thought he more than made up for that in terms of his ball handling, his presence. Um, he is arguably our best perimeter defender. Uh, that that means a great deal here. Uh, so um, I, I don't think his role will diminish. But um, you know, we're going to uh, integrate, uh, you know, those uh, those pieces. Cartier is uh, is a dynamic guy. Uh, is going to get uh, fouled more. Is going to help our team uh, just athletically in terms of his foot speed and quickness. Uh, I look forward to, uh, you know, seeing it all come together. Mike, will the addition of the the bigger guys this season, will that change the way you use Tyrese Radford? Because he's, he's so versatile and at times last year had to play undersized at front court positions, but just in terms of his north-south ability and and such, how, what do you envision his role being? Um, Dave, I think about it a lot. I thought about it a lot over the summer and watched film. I can tell you this, he'll be a big part of whatever we do. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to play today, if we started today, he would start at the three. Uh, not ideal at 6-1, but He's such a tough kid and such a team guy. Um, you know, uh, he's going to play the lion's share of his minutes there. Um, mm-hmm. We will go smaller some, and we will go smaller some with him uh, at uh, six one six two, whatever he is at the uh, at the four. That's a that's a that's a nasty matchup for opposing defenses. I think Tyrese Radford has an easier time guarding six six seven and have some of those in our league than those six 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 sevens have guarding him. Um, so I've got all kinds of ideas and how we're going to best utilize him. Uh, but again, he'll be a big part of it. I, uh, I, I think the world of, I think the world of that kid. Mike, if I heard you correctly, you said that you've been basically full strength for, for practice so far. Is that right? Yeah, we've had a couple of nicked up, uh, an ankle and, um, something with a foot, nothing, nothing, nothing major, Mike. We're, we're, you know, knock on wood. Um, <laughs> Certainly, uh, today, uh, in 2020, uh, 2020, 21 season, um, nothing COVID related. We've got a couple of uh, just uh, nagging little things. We got one of them back yesterday. We expect the other one back later this week. So, so far, so good. Uh, now only 179 more days to go. <laughs> I, I knocked on we my hope, desk. We for hope. You. I knocked we on hope. my desk for you when you said that. I'm um, curious. Because you've had most of your guys, what does it look like when you're out there in practice? You know, these guys have been away. What does it look like in the gym right now? A lot more competitive. Hmm. Um, a lot more. Um, a lot more. Uh, what I'm accustomed to seeing. Um, we had a really hard time practicing a year ago. Uh, PJ Horn. Um, you know, I I played him too many minutes. I had no choice. Uh, we really had to pull things back just to uh, survive and, and, and keep everybody healthy. Uh, we've got competition at, uh, at all five spots, uh, which I think is healthy. Um, we got a bunch of guys that I looked at last year on that bench, and so often I'd look at three sets of eyes, and they're all true freshmen, and uh, they're clueless, uh, you know, at, in some of these places, uh, and some of these people you're playing in the Atlantic Coast Conference, they're a year older, and a year wiser, and a year stronger. 
Um, we had the opportunity to bring David Jackson back, who I think is as good a strength coach as there is in the country. And he has made a, a tremendous uh, contribution in his short time uh, being back. So, uh, you know, Mike, I just feel uh, we're a long way from being a finished product now. I don't want to give anybody a false sense of hope, but um, I told you, both of you, uh, in uh, Greensboro, after getting our ears pinned back, um, that we were going to look different. We do. Uh, we are going to be different, and we will be. Uh, just a just a special treat to be uh, doing it again uh, amid you know the crisis that uh, that we all live under and understanding there's much bigger problems out there but man it's so much fun to go down and practice and <laughs> and uh, to hear the, the the squeaks and the noises in uh, in Honhurst again that is heartwarming for me and uh, I'm thankful Mike if you'll in, indulge us one final question when you promoted Kevin Giltner during the offseason to assistant coach. I teased him and said, gee, nice timing. You're back on the recruiting, uh, res- with recruiting responsibilities during a pandemic. <laughs> How, n- number one, you're trying to recruit during a pandemic. And number two, now that the NCAA has essentially made this a free season eligibility wise for winter <laughs> athletes coach how's that rast- roster management coming dave you know and add to that dave let's say will be sabidi wants to come back and i'd like for him to do it we've already had some preliminary conversations these are ongoing he can come back and not count against me i could carry 14 scholarship guys next year cartier jada he can come back uh let's say both of them come back there's 15 um, but if I bring someone in that's a grad transfer, he does count against me. So uh, in terms of roster management, good luck. Good luck. Good luck to all of us. Um, you know, what a what a, a, an interesting time. Um, a lot to a lot to handle. I think as it has always been, Dave, the most important people you got are ones that are here. Um, and let's not lose uh, let's not lose sight of that. Take care of those guys. Um, but it is challenging. Now we have three that we could um, right now today. Uh, three um, will be so. Uh, Cartier and uh, and Cordell, um, we uh, had got a commitment over the weekend from uh, from a young man. So you know that's uh, that's two. Um, let's move with uh, the best intentions of the young people at heart. Uh, let's uh, let's not uh, make a mistake and get in a hurry. Let's do what's best for our basketball program, Virginia Tech. There's a new world opening up. I'm not sure that it's ideal. I'm not sure that it's you know it's uh, it's you know what we all imagined uh, as we put this together. But um, uh, there's a lot of things to uh, to play out. I don't think I answered your question worth a nickel, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, Dave, to be frank, I'm not sure any of us know exactly what, uh, what, what's behind the next door, uh, you know, two months from now, five months from now. Um, this is, uh, this is new territory for all of us. Very well said coach. And I wanted to say, I know I've said this on the podcast before, but I'm going to remember from the pandemic, the way certain coaches, certain programs treated us kind of hacks in the media. And, uh, you've gone above and beyond throughout uh, going back to April, uh, helping me with interviews and stories and, and appearing with us today. So, uh, that's going to be my takeaway from my time as a sports writer during the pandemic. And I thank you. And I thank you for joining us here today. 
Thanks, I appreciate you having me, guys. Mike, Dave, best wishes, uh, regards to your family. Hope your children are well. I know uh, what a time to be alive. What a time. <laughs> I've got a high school senior at Blacksburg High School, and I've got a college senior. Um, <laughs> you guys have young people. Um, man, um, what a time. What a time. I hope, like hell, I see both of you soon. It might be a plexiglass between us or something, but I'd, I'd, I'd take it. I'd take it. I'll tell you that. Amen. We can't wait. That's Mike Young, basketball coach for Virginia Tech, joining us today on the show. Well, David, it's, it's wild to think that we're talking basketball already, but, but here we are. And before we wrap up our 25th show, let's get a, a basketball-related Who You Got. Thanks, Mike. It is who you got. It's early, but let's ask anyway. Assuming we get an ACC basketball season this year, who do you predict will be the league champion? Start with Mike. Who you got? Well, maybe it's because I want the interest level, uh, but I like Virginia. I I love everything they bring back. I think Tony Bennett's been using this time to to come up with a a plan. I think they're going to have more punch offensively with Sam Hauser. I think at this point we know (laughs) what the defense is going to be. I think this is Tony Bennett's best roster. I know he's had some great teams and great players and and great years, but to me on paper, and and paper's not worth the paper it's printed on, but on paper, this looks like the best Virginia team. I'm really excited to see what Tony Bennett and company cook up. I've got Virginia as the number one team in the conference going into the year. David, who you got? UVA. Absolutely. I I agree with Mike. It's going to have, this bunch is going to have far more scoring power in large measure thanks to the Marquette transfer, Sam Hauser, Jay Huff seems to me poised for a serious breakout season, just consistent excellency, excellence, excuse me, uh, more than just occasional. I wouldn't go as far as to say this on paper is the best roster though. That, that national championship bunch was, was, was pretty darn good. And, uh, with, with Hunter guy and Jerome is the big three, um, so, but again, th- this is a this is a team that could well defend its national title. I haven't haven't lost it yet. That's a great point. Now, David, before we get out of here, what are we looking for 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 Mike Young's bunch? He was kind enough to spend all that time with us. Talk about what they've got. A lot of new pieces. What are you expecting from the Hokies? I think they'll be much better. But I also think a whole lot of teams in the league can can say the same. And what we don't know, Mike, is what the schedule rotation is going to look like. Are they going to regionalize it much like they did for football because of COVID and to cut back on travel and to have more bus trips as opposed to to flights? I mean, is Virginia going to end up having to play Duke, Carolina, and NC State and Wake all twice? How's it going to work? So it, that's not knowing who the Hokies are going to play in conference makes it a little more difficult to judge where they might finish in the pecking order. No doubt, no doubt. But I think we're both looking forward to seeing some games. And, you know, you talked with Coach Young about the possibilities for the schedule, how many games they might play. We don't know what it's going to look like, but the fact that we even get to talk about it, that's pretty exciting. Now, that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening. And a big thank you to Virginia Tech basketball coach Mike Young for joining us. You can subscribe to Teal and Barber on Apple Podcasts. Just find the 
RTD podcast channel. And please consider supporting local journalism with an online subscription to the Times Dispatch. You can find special promotional offers available at richmond.com. That's, of course, where you can also read everything that David and I are writing. Today's show was produced by Dean Hoffmeyer. Teal and Barber is a podcast of the Richmond Times Dispatch and richmond.com. For David Teal, I'm Mike Barber. Thanks for listening. Be healthy and safe. And please join David and me again next week.